From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News today's Talk, TNT. Hello and welcome to Weekends with me, Jason Olborn, here on TNT Radio. This is the Sunday edition. We start a little bit later than the Saturday, but it doesn't mean that anything is neglected on Sunday. In fact, the opposite. I think today might even challenge yesterday's terrific lineup, and we are going to have some fun. We're going to dig deep in the second hour, and then we're going to cross to Iceland. Would you believe that? In the third hour, with our latest guest uh, joining me for that to talk about a number of different things coming out from the, well, literally the other side of the planet. And today we are going to get stuck into all things USA in the first hour with a TNT favourite. Mike Netta will be joining me in just a moment. We're going to talk about, obviously, we're going to mention Trump. We're going to talk about Biden. We're going to talk about the Fannie Willis episodes that seem to be that the courtroom is becoming the set of Saturday Night Live. And of course, if you're watching and listening in the US, you are right now. Saturday Night Live. So let's see if we can outdo those so-called comedians there with what's really making news at the moment. And of course, leaving everyone scratching their heads, wondering how it is that we have not just a two-speed economy, a two-tier justice system, but it seems we have a two-tier system of humanity. Those that can see what's going on and those that just continually want to go along with it. And of course, that's why TNT Radio is here to put all of those issues together, present you with the facts, and show you that we are really the only ones in the world producing news that makes sense for once. Can you believe that? Well, here we are, Sunday afternoon in Australia. Let me tell you about my first guest. Mike Netter is the Vice Chair of Rebuild California and KABC Radio host. He's a veteran of distribution, sales and marketing. He should also be a writer for Saturday Night Live, but we'll we'll prove that in a moment. He's now applying his uh, business expertise to state politics to create a powerful team of volunteers and allied organisations to further the cause of conservatism in the state of California. Mike helps spearhead the effort to recall Gavin Newsom. Mike Netter, welcome back to weekends it's a pleasure to be here and yes indeed as i always say with it frankly world politics but let's start with american politics when comedy as people know there was a big strike of writers that took place in the u.s may have hit global and the major reason they came back is politicians were basically doing the writing for them because when they do take a look at what's going on today and take a step back, Jason, it it's you're wondering how the commentators like how can we improve on this? When you talk about and it's, there's a lot of things to set the table here today, but one of my favorites right now is really what's going on with the press all over the world, and you say this yourself, because they wonder what can they really do to Donald Trump? And it, it's it's amazing. It's like the monster which has risen out of the swamp. They put indictments against him. They charge him for crimes he didn't commit. They fine him. And the press then wonders, why does he keep getting more popular? But Jason, I got to ask you, do you ever have the chance to watch American TV at all the news? We get obviously we get moments to watch, and I don't think anyone can actually watch an entire bulletin of news. But of course, we get the clips. But yeah, I do. Well, what I find really funny is, look, I know of no world leader that has not been in office for any amount of time that gets as much publicity as Donald Trump. And I want you to take a step back 
and your audience. I want everybody to really think about it. When you watch the liberal evening news, this is pretty much the news for the day. Trump, 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 Trump. This happened to Trump. Trump had this happen. They sued Trump. Oh, yeah. Here's some sports. Hold on. We'll be right back. Our team got their ass kicked. Commercial. Trump, 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 Trump. Oh, crap. It's raining. It literally that's amazed me, Jason. They can't stop talking about him. And so the reality is, first off, I'm a Trumper. I'm all for Donald Trump. But what amazes me is the press is scratching their head going, how did he get so popular? Well, literally, when you watch the news, they can't stop talking about him. I got to tell you how ridiculous it is. And it's really funny. If you're not following us in the U.S., there started off about 10 people who decided they were going to run, run against Donald Trump. And all nine of them pretty much dropped out. And one is left named Nikki Haley. Right. Mm -hmm. Who in another world, I'm sure she may be a fine human being or not. So in, I believe, the New Hampshire primary, they are trying to find somebody who didn't vote on the Republican side for Donald Trump. So it's snowing. Right. And whatever. And they have the reporter out there and they find a woman and she said, yes, indeed, I voted. That she didn't start with Nikki Haley. The whole interview wasn't about why she voted for Nikki Haley. And you see this all the time. It was why she didn't vote for Trump. She dropped Trump's name 20 times in the interview, <laughs> explaining why she didn't vote for Trump. So the whole it's literally Donald Trump has done something that nobody has been able to do. He has turned the entire liberal news network, which is slanted worse than the communism itself. He doesn't need to censor because all they talk about is Trump. And it just and then there's Biden and we'll get to him in a little bit. But he's actually, in case you're not paying attention, the current incumbent president of the United States. And he gets mentioned less for, probably once for every 20 times that Donald Trump's name is mentioned. And they wonder why it's happening. It's happening because they're doing such a great job accidentally of putting forth our brand. It is an incredible thing. I mean, Trump is the greatest media headline magnet, I think, of all time. We saw it in 2016 the same way, and they were scratching their heads, wondering how it was that he was getting so much free publicity. But because of 2020 and because of the fact that he's decided to run again, we see how he plays the uh, the fiddle of the media so beautifully. And, of course, this is the great big plan, isn't it, to see how much dirt they can throw at the man. But the point is that Donald Trump is independent of the political system. He's been immersed in the system. He's been one of their friends. Of course, he was always the first person to ask for donations when he wasn't running for president. To quote him from 2016 from the Al Smith charity dinner speech, I think, Mike, that was the speech that turned me to realise that Donald Trump was a very, very serious candidate. Uh, it was nine days before the election. At that time, I didn't even think that he could uh, possibly beat Hillary Clinton in what I thought would have been the first of the uh, rigged elections. And then, of course, he got up, and that, of course, changed history. But they haven't learned. They don't seem to learn. And all it is is a system of Trump bashing. I've had conversations with friends of mine, dear friends of mine, who are still very anti-Trump. But it, it's not very long before I can present details and facts where I get them going, well, you're right, he didn't start any new wars. 
Of course, they argue that he's brash and whatever. I mean, who isn't? Who doesn't have charisma in politics? Well, let's go back. Sorry, Joe Biden has no charisma. So, in wait, politics. wait, wait. Let's stop. I'm going to stop you for one second. I know it's your show, but again, you let me in the door. It's I actually <laughs> the opposite. And I, I'm from California, this really big state where right now we don't force people to vote. We actually mail out ballots. What could possibly go wrong? And people can't get to their mailbox. And you know, one of the reasons they don't vote, Jason, is because they're not inspired on both sides by politicians that are bold and brash and tell it the way it is. What we have, and we, I don't know if you see this in Australia, I do see in other parts of the world, but in the United States, we have a name for it. We call it the Uniparty, because we have to have two names for everything now, right? Yes. We no longer call it winter, it's a cold snap, right? It's no longer rain, it's a couple, it's an atmospheric river, right? So now we have to call it the Uniparty. Another word for the Uniparty, quite honestly, is boring okay in other words both sides kind of think the same they try to make sure they don't lose their job and donald trump is intriguing because he says it the way it is and doesn't give a damn can i bore you with an interesting fact please okay go ahead so we california which has obviously is a relatively, shall we say, liberal state. In fact, the reason the leader of China came over here and then left so quickly is we're probably too communistic for him. Okay, it's just too much, right? <laughs> but what's interesting is there's only 5.3 million Republicans of which 2 million may have died or don't vote. Let's put that down. So there's a lot of liberals and a lot of non-party preference. Yet last election, although nobody admits it to you, it's kind of like a lot of people tell you, Jason, oh, yeah, man, I don't drink. Dude, wasn't that bottle of Jack Daniels like full last time I was here? I had friends over, <laughs> right? Yep. So people don't want to tell you they vote for Trump. But statistically, in California, about 6.2 million people voted for Trump last time. It exceeds the number of Republicans that actually voted. So who are all these liberals that don't like Donald Trump? And when you look at the number of the popular vote, let's forget the Electoral College, more people vote for Donald Trump than much of the time exceeds the party registration. So what people really want is they want, I think I could cuss a little bit on this show, right? Not too hard, mm. but I'm gonna go ahead and do it. They want a bold asshole. They want someone who really is saying and standing up for them. That's why we like people like Patton. And by the way, I want to go on record and be politically correct. My pronoun is asshole. Okay. <laughs> so let me be clear on that there. Okay. Because people always go, what's your pronoun? Well, talk to me for five minutes. You'll figure it out. It's not he, J, the, rip, but if you really want to know, it's asshole. Okay. And that's why they like Donald Trump in a way that's his pronoun. He says, look, dude, no one likes what's happening with the border. I mean, even the immigrants, like, we're getting tired, man. You know, we keep coming over. You know, there's, you know, we're putting us up, although it's a good business to be in. America is getting tired of political correctness is the best way to put it. And Donald Trump has never been political correct. And that's why the news, the infrastructure is trying 
trying to bring him down, but they can't because the same structure, which is trying to suppress what he's trying to say, is the same structure which is pumping him up. And there's a very important lesson for politicians around the world about that. It's some... When you look at Australian politics, Mike, it's a clash between who can be more boring at a leadership level. You look around the world and it's the same situation, isn't it? It's kind of odd in politics how you have to have a, a situation where everyone longs for the charismatic politician or for in, in the case of Trump, it's charisma plus obviously saying what people say and using the A word if you want to use that, which makes sense, or your pronoun, Mike, for, for to be more accurate. Uh, but it's it's a whole lot more, isn't it, when when you consider that people are just sick and tired of being whitewashed, gaslit, told how to think, how to be, uh, told how bad things always are, and then being told to go along consistently. That's all we're going to do. It's almost as if I'm waiting for the meme to come out that the news will announce. If it's good news, it must be fake news. Uh, that's where the world is at the moment. It seems that there hasn't been, we were talking about it the other day here with friends and family. We're trying to remember in Australia, when was the last time that on a national level, we were actually proud of something that we all got together and thought this was amazing. And you know what? It was the year 2000, the Sydney Olympics. And that just blows my mind to think that we've had a quarter of this century and we look and we think, well, well, there's not much else that's really got the country going together. Yeah, we can refer to a Commonwealth Games or we can refer to something else, but nothing that the whole nation has got behind and been proud of. What a sad, sorry state of affairs it is when we have to look at one event, a sporting event, which today we, we no one even wants to host the Olympic Games. It's just also gone down the toilet. It's a very, very sad state of affairs. Are we just a miserable po global population or is it has it been forced upon us that it's that miserable that we almost want to uh, let ourselves out of planet Earth uh, for the globalists to eventually win? How do, you, how do you read that misery? I read it like this. It's actually, to me, relatively simple. OK, um, for years, what happened was you had newspapers, right? You had opposing points of view. You had right and left. And I don't know about your age range, so to speak, but I know in my age range, back when 60 Minutes first started, and you can look it up out there, they used to end every show with a segment called Point Counterpoint. I don't know if you remember that or not, but look it up where they would have the conservative like Mike Wallace go against liberal and they would do point counterpoint. Both points of view, because all points of view have relevancy to them. What happened really starting about 20 years ago is with the advent of the computer and com big companies buying media, right? There is no longer local Australian paper all over the place. You know what I mean? We lost, in effect, the town crier. Internet, right? Facebook, Google, companies that grew became really, really big. And I don't care if it's right or if it's left, if it's Nazi Germany in the 30s, I'm not trying to make a comparison here, or Google or Standard Railroad. When an entity becomes too big, they quash opposing points of view period, end of sentence. So the tech or the the great technology, which allows me at nine o'clock on my Saturday night in, in California to be on your show at three o'clock, right? Yes. On Australian time also is run by technology, which unfortunately is in effect one party rule. Google is like that bottle of Jack Daniels. 
we all know they spy us and they screw us. Fair enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. The AI that just came out about Google, when you they're backtracking because they lost $70 billion in a day and they'll make it back in market value because their artificial intelligence basically, you know, when you asked who George Washington was, a picture of a black guy came up. Yes. Uh, not exactly. We have we have paintings, right? So they're like, <laughs> oops, we was programmed. How did that happen? Well, because it was programmed by liberals. Mm. So this force, Google, became really, really big. But we all use it. And yes. people go, I never use Google. I use your line. Because at some point, we all use Google. It's inner. Now, they've become a force. And that force also has become the conduit for our news. God bless TNT radio, because you become one of those opposing forces to what we call the mainstream media. And this is the problem that we have. And so politicians and people in power, right, want to stay in power by being boring. It's really that simple. And I can I take it one step further with you. You mm -hmm. can take it with a lot of things in life. You can't hardly put out now a radical movie because, oh, my God, it will have a rating of a letter on it. Nobody will watch it. Music today. Now, again, I'm going to show my age, but I'm not as old as, well, I am as old as you think you are. But let's put that down for a second. <laughs> when groups like the Rolling Stones or things came out, right, or comedians, it was a shock value to it because they went against the tide, right, and they moved the envelope forward. Today, in society, people are afraid to move the envelope forward. Now, for everybody watching this tonight, Here's something weird. If you're Christian, and I, there's nothing wrong with being Christian or Muslim or any other religion that you decide to practice on whatever your favorite day of the week is. But I don't know about over there, but in the United States, people go, it started about 25 years ago. Well, you know, I'm a Christian. Okay, why are you whispering? Mm. Well, because people at work may be upset. Why is that guy over there shouting? My ears hurt. <laughs> oh, because he's a Muslim. All right. Well, Muslims have the right to shout and Christians have to whisper. Yeah. When did this start to happen? Yeah. And what started to happen is this, is that because of the power of small groups of people have gotten really large voices, right? Yes. Dude, um, transgenderism. Mm. There's 1.5 million total in the United States in a nation of about 350 million. Yes. Okay. I don't know a hell of a lot of people that want to have their original equipment changed. Mm. There just aren't a tremendous amount. That's right. Fair enough. Of course. But small groups of people are getting very large voices and large groups of people have been trained to be afraid to speak up. And that's where Donald Trump is different. He's not afraid to speak up because he, I guess a little bit like me, but I'm not Donald Trump, really doesn't give a damn.
Yeah, beautifully said. Now, we're going to have to take a quick break and we'll come back with more. We're going to talk about, I think, everyone's favourite comedy character this week, Fanny Willis, after the break. But before we do, if you've missed your favourite TNT show or interview, simply listen or watch it when you want, wherever you want. Just visit episodes on the TNT Radio website, rumble.com, bitshoot.com, or even brighteon.com. We're also at all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, iHeart, and TuneIn. Now, there's no reason to miss out on anything on today's news talk tnt tnt's david curtin free speech is not something that everybody has enjoyed through all of history and it's not something that people enjoy all around the world if you suffer under the chinese communist party or severe islamic regimes you don't have freedom of speech but in the west it's generally assumed that it is a condition of living and we take it for granted but we shouldn't do and it hasn't come from nowhere and it has been hard fought for david Curtin on today's news talk tnt This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder, and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonous. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words, And then he finally said, please, save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. 
If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a pista and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker, I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. The Net Zero Con will leave millions of citizens dependent on state handouts. It isn't a theory, it's an agenda. There is no climate emergency. On air 24-7, this is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. We are with our guest this hour, Mike Netter. And if you just saw that promo there for the Trust Fall, it is in cinemas all around Australia at the moment in the month of March. The big ones, event cinemas, Hoyt cinemas, even the independents, please go see the film. We interviewed Kim Statton on this show a couple of weeks back. Terrific interview. I encourage everyone to go along and see that. Take a friend. You will obviously be blown away by how much you knew, but also how much you didn't and the quality of Kim's film itself. Now, Mike, we are going to get into the business of the realities of the comedy that is the news today. I wanted to talk to you about Fanny Willis and her testimony this week. Just how bad is the circus now? Can anyone get a law license in Georgia? Well, apparently. <laughs> That's the only answer I have for that there. <laughs> but I think what is, if for everybody out there, you've got to understand that this is something Fanny Willis, and let's we got to set the stage for this because it really makes you what falls under the what the hell were they thinking heading, right? Because let's mm. let's take a step back. Fannie Willis a couple of years ago was caught on camera before she could be a prosecutor, maybe even a lawyer, protesting against Donald Trump in language not suitable for any show, saying Donald Trump, I'm going to get him, I'm going to bring him down, right? Mm. And for everybody who thinks that access insulting, I don't do it anywhere new as well as Fannie Willis, okay? <laughs> so, all right, so then fast forward, and somehow Fannie Willis gets appointed to be a district attorney in Georgia, okay? Let's stop for one second. She's a district attorney in the Fulton or Atlanta area, okay? Now, she then decides that she is going to prosecute someone who is, and by the way, about 12 other well-known people for a case which at best is questionable. This is for election fraud in the state of Georgia for a national election. Okay. Mm. Now, many people would say on the left, kudos to Fannie Willis. We would because they're right. And I get that. All right. Now, now the fun begins, okay? Because apparently, why Fannie was doing this, she decided to have an affair with a married man, okay, who she hired and was working in his office. Now, this is not the 40s, although I'll be really blunt, Fannie Willis, from looking at that testimony, and you've got to watch this because Saturday Night Live will be afraid to do this because she has literally set back black lawyers of any average probably 50 years when you hear this testimony. And it's almost like she goes out of her way to talk like a gangsta. And mm. the reason she has to give a testimony of her not following this is they go, wait a minute, you have... A married man you were having an affair with working in your office 
who apparently you've given $861,000 of government money. And this is, we don't know exactly where it falls in ethics, but it's a really bad look. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like going to a murder trial. All right. Trying to get your client off and bringing the actual loaded gun they used to court. That is only an analogy I can think of that made any sense under the heading, what were you thinking? And I want to be very clear to everybody out there on a quasi-serious note, which is the best I get is quasi-serious. If the left was really serious about prosecuting Donald Trump for this and not Fannie Willis serious about putting her character forward, though I'm sure she's going to get some kind of comedy contract when this is done. But as an attorney, all this would have been considered ahead of time and somebody else would have been the prosecuting attorneys on this. Not, frankly, a married man having an affair with a prosecutor who's hired by the office. So then she gets to court. So they're like, well, you kind of need to testify on this. And she's like, no, I don't. And they go, yes, you do. And this is literally how she talks. And she gets up there in the stand and they said, look, you have taken many trips with this man. And it looks like it's, she goes, nope, I reimbursed him. All right. Well, it looks like you spent like uh, literally like $10,000 on a trip to Paris. Probably not company business. It's maybe a shock to you, but you work in Atlanta, Georgia, and we don't prosecute many trips and many crimes in Paris, kind of out of our jurisdiction. So how did you go and how did you get the money back to him? Her thing was, well, I keep cash. I keep, well, I'm not out here buying crack. I keep a big wad of cash and I paid it back to him. And when I first saw that video, and everybody out there, you get as assaulted as you want, watch the video. Because when I first saw it, I go, all right, somebody's pulling the fast one on me. What show is this from? Mm. Is this? Mm. No? Holy crap, this is the real thing. And to hear this person talk, to hear them say that they deal in large amounts of cash, Now, I will tell you, and I'm not um, a Bitcoin dealer or dealing cyber currency, but anybody out there, Benny Willis is your prospect, okay? Because apparently she's never heard of Bitcoin, all right? (laughs) Who the hell keeps $400,000? Even the the crack dealers in Atlanta are going, come on, ho, seriously? We use Bitcoin now. We We don't walk around with that much cash. It's Atlanta. Okay, so how the hell? I mean, and you're listening to this, and she's showing pictures. Which, by the way, if you're a criminal Atlanta, I got another lead for you. That and the Bitcoin dealers, you should get together. Fanny's a good mark for you, but let's put that down. She's showing pictures of large amounts of cash she had that she's reimbursing, and then they said, "Well, okay, do you have any receipts?" Yeah. Seems like a logical question. Of What's course. her answer? I don't need no damn receipts. I just kind of took his word for it and gave him money. <laughs> and you know what my first thought was? Go on. Tell us. I really wish I dated her for about a week, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm thinking, damn. It had been a tough week, but I could have used 100 grand. I mean, you're like, Seriously? And nobody's even asked something else, which did come up in court. 
She's been a lawyer maybe five years. Fair enough. Yep. Okay. She's not that old. I mean, she looks a little bit beyond her years, and I understand why. She works as a Fulton County prosecutor. Mm. Where the it's hell did you get that kind of cash? That's the question, isn't it? Where do you get where do you get eight million dollars on a hundred thousand a year salary? It makes no sense. This seems to be. I tell you what, whoever the financial planner is for Democrat uh, politicians and their operatives has got to be the smartest guy in the room. I mean, how is it that you can earn 100, 150,000 a year for 20 years and suddenly you're worth $600 million? It's the great question. Have you got the answer? Well, the, the word, I think the answer is, and this is going to come out, that Fannie Willis met with Joe and Hunter Biden. Because you got to wonder, really, how Joe Biden, who's been a civil servant for 40 years, and by the way, you can look this up. And this is why when the Bidens keep going, kind of making a jump here, but it's kind of the same thing, right? Mm. Biden never written a book. Fair enough? True. Biden's never starred in a movie. This may be shock to you. Biden really doesn't get paid to speak. I don't understand why, but we'll cover that later. Okay. <laughs> Biden has been a civil servant for a very long time. Now, he left being vice president of the United States. And by the way, Joe, if you're watching this, I want to remind you, you were vice president of the United States because he does forget. OK, so if you're watching this, Joe, that was you. OK, worth maybe about five million dollars. OK, four or five years go by and Biden's worth twenty five million. And I'm being conservative, some say up to 40. And everybody's going, well, you know, it's he wasn't stealing money. He couldn't have possibly have gotten it from. Okay. Did anybody ask like for Fanny? Fanny and Joe, Fanny's not quite there. Yet. She hasn't been at it as long. To your point, Jason, where does this money come from? I get paid for doing stuff. And when mm -hmm. I get paid for doing stuff, we have somebody called the IRS that wants me to pay them too much money for the stuff I do. You could pretty much track, it's not that exciting for guys like you and me. Evidence, because Jason and I are here on his Sunday afternoon and my Saturday night, right? <laughs> really, Fanny's smarter than us, but let's put that down at the end of the day, right? Where does he get the money? And you would think that would really be the big story. But the interesting part, again, is this. The news story is really Fannie Willis, which many of you out there, I have to remind you, Fannie Willis's, but what's mentioned seven times every time Fannie's name is mentioned? Trump, 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 Trump. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And there it is. That's what's so amazing. It's like they're going, well, we're going to get Trump, 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 Trump. Oh, by the way, there's a storm in the Midwest. And you all should probably go home now. And there was a big car wreck on I-80. And now back to Trump, 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 Trump. And there's this woman called Fannie Willis. Here's two minutes of it. And now we'd like to show you another 20 minutes of Trump. I mean, this is literally, they can't help themselves. Um, it, it, and they think that we're going to give all these indictments. And by the way, Let's get real for those that think they're not after Donald Trump. Nobody possibly would have the time in their life to commit the number of civil and criminal cases 
that Trump has been accused of. Mm. He's, I mean, literally, they're serial killers who I'm thinking have been undercharged at this point. When you look at the number of counts, I mean, think about it, dude. This guy murdered 36 people, man. Yeah, Trump's got 112 indictments against him, apparently. Mm. Right. And by the way, I hate to break it to you guys. We know where Trump's been for the last eight years because he's on TV every day and in the White House. So how where did he have time to commit all these possible complicated crimes? And no, you don't. Obviously, they're charging left, right, and it's got this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, again, it's not a conspiracy theory if it's true. And it's not paranoia if you know they're after you. Well said. Well, there's two other characters that I think we need to insert into this play at the moment. We'll mention them. We might have to cut and go to a break in a moment. One of them is this E. Jean Carroll. This is a, a character that you could only, I mean, it's its too, you can't write characters like E. Jean Carroll. And the other one is Justice uh, Arthur Engelron, uh, who's now been caught out by um, James O'Keefe at the gymnasium uh, for being a creep, which is another story altogether. I mean, can you possibly write a better script than this? So E. Jean Carroll gets $80 million thrown at her with some ridiculous amount of money. Uh, Trump's ju- uh, attorney, uh, Alina Hubbard, saying that uh, that will get taken back on, on appeal. And, of course, Engeron, $350 million uh, for some crime against the state for apparently uh, convincing banks not to do independent valuations uh, and providing a standard rate of interest, not an increased rate of interest, despite paying the money back. I think that's got to be the, 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 the craziest uh, ever uh, ruling of any case, I think it's impossible. I've spoken to mortgage brokers, bankers, etc., and they all say the same thing. Every single person in the world overvalues their property, but the bank always does an independent valuation. How do you how do you deal with that? You've got an answer, haven't you, Mike? Well, let's start with the most ridiculous thing of all. Jason, I hate to break this to you, but at the end of this show, there are people outside your door who are going to prosecute me for the murder of me, even though I'm still alive. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because in the the Trump case, what's really lost is, forget if everybody overvalues their property, right? For, forget all that for a second. <clears throat> Usually where there's a crime, something has to go wrong. Is that fair enough? Yes. Look. We've all jaywalked from time to time. Don't lie, Jason, right? We've all done those things from time to time. We do things that we don't get caught. I get it. What's really weird about the Trump case, and this is why, by the way, it's costing New York big bucks because businesses are leaving. And yes, they do independent about, but your house, you have a loan on. My house, I have a loan on, right? The bank and I came to agreement of value. I always think it's worth a lot more. The bank always thinks it works a lot less. Meet in the middle. Hell, who knows if we have to, I'm going to have to sell the end of this interview. Jason, we'll see how it goes, right? Mm. Who knows? But nobody was suing Donald Trump. I'm going to say that again really slowly so you get your arms around it. He took out loans. The banks got paid off at an agreed rate of interest. Mm. He, um, the appraisals on the property, none of the properties ever went belly up and got foreclosed on. No person in any financial tract transaction that this covered filed lawsuit against Donald Trump. I'm going to say this again very slowly. 
Trump was fined $350 million for nothing going wrong. That's right. I mean, really think about that. Nothing went wrong. There wasn't like, you know, the old fat pudgy face banker with a scar at the other going, I got screwed, you know, because I died too tall. It was worth $400 million, and we only got $200 million when we sold it at a hawk. No. Nobody was mad except for one entity. And that's the very scary part. That entity happened to be the government. Mm. So when you have the government bringing civil cases against people for crimes they didn't commit, because I'm a little old school, Jason, excuse me. If there's a crime, there probably should be a victim or a law broken where we consider the law was broken and there could be potential victims for doing that, right? Which is why, they, for instance, the tank I had in my driveway got towed away the other day. It's kind of illegal, though, a tank. I didn't know that when I bought it. Let me be clear. <laughs> okay. No, but Mike, just, rules- just, sorry, just hold that thought. We will take the break. Otherwise, we're going to jump into the news and we'll come back and continue with the, uh, the, the crime that Trump hasn't committed. Yet another one before we talk about this other great character, E.G. and Carol. You're watching and listening to Weekends with me, Jason Olborn, here on TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. In case you missed it, Newsbusters highlighted an interview between Washington Post um, technology and online culture columnist, a woman by the name of Taylor Lorenz. She interviewed the woman that most of us know as Libs of TikTok. Her name is Chaya Rachik. And the topic here was children changing sexes. But if they're leading happy lives and they just are leading a Well, there are studies that show that they're more suicidal after transition. No, that's not true. Yeah, there's a study out of Sweden. That is not yeah. true. That is not true. Yeah, you can look up the study. Well, taking into account all of the happy people that have transitioned who are not harming anyone, you can't come up with a single material harm. So if someone says, I'll be happier if I'm blind, should a doctor pull their eyes out? I think that's quite different than gender ideology. Then Lorenz made this absurd analogy. I mean, women ascribe to certain gender things. You see women getting boob jobs to affirm their gender. I mean, we're in Los Angeles. We see this kind of gender affirming. So again, you're comparing boob jobs and nose jobs to well, they're gender affirming. Being, uh, buying into the lie that they could uh, change their sex. Breast enhancements are gender affirming for women. Yes, didn't you know? Getting a nose job or a boob job is the same as having a child change sexes, quote unquote. The lunacy of the left. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. I tell my son, I love you every single day. Now, my dad has never said that to me. Not because he doesn't love me, but because culturally it wasn't comfortable for him. Now that he's a grandfather, he says, I love you to my son every time he sees him. My advice to all the fathers out there, forget the cultural restrictions. They grow up way too fast for you to waste even a single precious moment. Discussing local, national, and international issues. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk, TNT. 
Welcome back. We are running out of time with Mike, so we're going to race through a couple of topics that uh, we will obviously need to get to in the in the remaining minutes. The first one I want to bring up is the concept, Mike, of electric vehicles. I know that Joe Biden is going after China. Obviously, it's some way that he wants to either stop. This is the interesting thing about electric vehicles. It's no one wants them anymore, probably because they're too expensive. Let me give you an example here. In Australia, uh, a cheaper brand used to be, used to be Japanese were cheaper. Got, they got better, then the Koreans came in and uh, those cars got better and better. And now we're at this weird stage where Kia and Hyundai are, are pretty much dominating the Australian market. We no longer manufacture vehicles in this country. And I noticed that uh, there were two ads on my social media feed the other day for Kia electric vehicles. Both of them were hatchbacks. One looked at like it was a bit of an SUV, so it's a little bit higher. That was on special marked down from $116,000 to just $102,000. And then there was another one that was uh, the, I think it was the Nero, which was a little tiny hatchback, looked like an MG or a Mazda 3 or something like that. And I thought, oh, that'll be a bit more uh, price competitive. I was thinking being an EV will be around at fifty or 60000 No, it was marked down to $78,000. Now, the electric vehicle market, people are now reporting that China's got that many cars they can't sell. There will be a flood and the prices will plummet. You'd hate to buy an electric vehicle today and try and sell that car in two years. How's it going over there in the US? Are you an electric vehicle driver yet or is this just a bridge oh, too far? First off, I like a couple of things in my cars. I like to run and be able to refuel them. Now, I'm happy to report the electric vehicle sales in California, in the United States last, last month were one. They sold one. No, they've been plummeting like a rock, okay? And here's one of the basic things I think we're forgetting about EVs and electric cars. And I want to make this, again, part of the commune experience. Petrol, gas, whatever you call it, that combustible liquid that we put in that makes our vehicles run, which might work fine, fluctuates up and down according to supply and demand. Fair enough? Yes. But in California, where I live, our electric rates are going up by 30% this year, and they're going up around the world, okay? Mm. Nowhere around the world, and please tweet me or text me at NetterMike if you have ever, ever had the utility company come to your door and say, good news, we have too much electricity, and we had a really good year, and we're kicking your electric rates down the reality is electric rates utility rates go up and up and up gas fluctuates with supply and demand it costs too much to run and use a vehicle which can barely go to the store for more to go to the store than i spend at the store which is still a lot it's a bad idea and here's the problem too let me ask you a question jason again i just remember it but when the internal busting car came along, they didn't outlaw the horse. Mm. So why are we trying to outlaw internal combustion engines and make this EV compete? You might buy it if it hits 25 grand. I don't know what your pain point is. I could tell you as a political advocate, I'm probably not buying any $70,000 car anytime soon, okay? In any price range. And that's the problem. The rich liberals who pushed it, the supply of rich liberals that want to have a third, fourth electric car in their garage is running down. And normal people who want one car to get to one place is running out. Yeah, well said. The the electric vehicle uh, industry, the market, the, the even the motoring enthusiast is just not interested in, in these particular cars. Uh, towing capacity, for example, range. 
uh, the cost of um, of charging the vehicle, the unknowns, the incredible uh, barrier to entry of getting in. I just can't understand how anyone can borrow money, $80,000, $100,000 to buy uh, just a, a normal average uh, motor vehicle. It makes no sense to me. And of course, then why would the depreciation be any different? It just seems to be throwing money away. But apparently, you, if, if you have depreciation, you, it, it's a green economic instrument because you don't actually burn it. It just evaporates, Mike. Maybe that's the process there. We don't want to burn the money. We just want it to evaporate. Right, pay a fortune for your EV. We're being sold a pile. Look, I have a. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left, which I don't want to go deep, but I've got a really big physics and engineering background. My son is a rocket scientist. Okay, and let's be perfectly clear. For those of you out there, let me make it simple. I won't go into formula for you. Batteries are very expletive deleted heavy. When you drag around a really heavy thing, it burns a lot of expletive deleted energy, which means it can't go that far before you have to put more energy in it. It is a bad idea. And the battery market, it isn't even ready for, because if it was, I'd never have to charge my cell phone. And how's that working out for you? Mm, well said. Now, Let's get into the business end. This is an election year. Uh, some people are concerned that there may be, a, well, a surprise release of a pathogen that uh, creates the need for a mail-in battle election. Perhaps there might be a war that prevents the election, like Zelensky got away with not having to have elections. But if we get to November, Trump will have to pick himself a running mate. A number of names have come up. We're talking about people such as uh, Byron Donalds, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, he's now mentioned Greg Abbott could be in the frame, Tim Scott, even the former Democrat herself, Tulsi Gabbard. Have you got a favourite or a pick that might become Trump's running mate? Well, I do. And let me go officially on record. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Camilla Harris, but let me just throw that out. Okay. <laughs> My first off, I doubt it will be Abbott for a lot of reasons. Abbott's doing a good job in Texas. It probably much as I like Tulsi Gabbard. Again, these are people I've met. I haven't met Abbott, but I've met Tulsi Gabbard. Excellent person, but she's not a Republican technically. She's a Democrat, independent. We got enough problems. My two favorites of the list you mentioned, and by the way, I've met Vidic. Have a picture with him. Very smart young man, but I don't think quite ready to be president. I think Tim Scott or Donaldson of the list you mentioned would probably be the best. Personally, I my friends would lean toward Donaldson. I lean towards Scott a little bit because he's been in government and he's a very smart guy and knows how it works. That would be my pick. Interesting, isn't it? So do you and Donald that, and I have a call about it tomorrow morning, so hopefully you'll listen to me. Well, 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 there you go. And I, the name I didn't mention was the South Dakota governor, Christy Noem. And I'm wondering, uh, it, will he go for a, a, the potentially a lady uh, in the role of vice president? I, I tend to think that would be a little bit too political correct for him. Well, I think Christy Noem, frankly, I, again, I like her too. I think she, I don't I care, think Donald really cares about politically correct. She's the best one for the job. I think she's a possibility. But I think in terms of name recognition and molding the country, because by the way, Tim Scott, everybody out there, way smarter than Fannie Willis. And if you haven't noticed, he is black. OK, and he's a good guy. And I think Donald Trump sincerely will make the best pick. Look, the beauty of Trump's campaign, in case you haven't been following, it's like many, many votes to none for the other guy. 
And by the way, real quick, if you look at these elections right now, what's very fascinating is Trump and a lot of these uh, primaries is getting more votes than the Democrats are getting aggregate in states which are swing states. No one's talking about that. Michigan, he got more votes than the Democrats did aggregate, even for no vote of confidence. So Trump can make do uh, independent to make the right decision, in my not so humble opinion. Back to you, Jason. Well, the last question I think we're going to have to talk about uh, is is the border crisis. And I think it's really important that uh, we, we, we understand what's really going on. It seems obvious from uh, the amount of people that are just walking over the border, the, the Democrats almost wanting to hand out money is what we we now see, some incredible amount of money, $10,000 per, per person walking in. It's almost as if you can just see it now that once the credit cards get handed out, that there'll just be a, a, a procession, that they'll get their money in, in New York and they'll walk back through, use that to take an Uber back to Texas and walk back through the border and, and maybe grow a moustache or something like that and, and get another $10,000. I mean, how can it be possible? that this could even even be a reality today. When you put all these things together, Eugene Carroll, um, uh, what's his name, Alvin Bragg, Fanny Willis, Letitia James, this 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 comedy, it's, it, I call it, you know, the anti-Trump soap opera, Days of Our Lives. When you put it all together, you can't help but think that it's 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 all stage. We're watching a movie. It is, it is more slapstick than anything I've ever seen now. Um, how does this border crisis come into it? Is this the election issue that finally people are going to say? That's it is it, the election never- issue, which is going to take them down, okay? Mm. Uh, one of the border crisis is actually inflation is caused a lot by the border crisis quick figure here i have what three minutes left i believe so let me make this fast okay so in case you don't know it the senate report and fair blah 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 blah, the group illegal immigration in the united states we spend 185 billion with a b on every year now the democrats come back and say well maybe them contribute and some of them do takes about 50 billion out so the net loss on immigration each year in the united states is 135 billion of government money flat out government money okay period and it's increasing we during the biden administration i'm going to put this around for australia okay you've got about 25 million people in australia all right Mm -hmm. So we just had brought in three and a half million that we know of and probably 1.5 that snuck in is the estimate. So we've had about 5 million people or increasing your population by about 20% in Australia. And we've lost track of them and the liberal cities, even Denver, New York and Chicago. In fact, it's interesting when Abbott shut down the border, Illinois was a state said, we're right behind you. Okay, and they're second only. Well, they're first in corruption, but second in California only in communism. People have had enough. Okay, this is being forced by the top end liberals because when they could print more money, for lack of a better term, and simplistic, and make more NGOs and buddies and the circulatory effect of money and power, that's what this is really all about. And shocking for everybody out there, it's a comedy. It's a comedy being driven with comedy turning into a tragedy, to quote the Greeks, that is being driven by money and power. And it always comes back to money and power. And I will tell you, that's one of the reasons that Rebuild California continues to fight. We are a group of patriots 
pushing to take back our state. And if anybody thinks you can move somewhere in the country or the world where they're not coming for your wrong, it's starting in California. And by the way, take a look at my Twitter feed, now known as X, at NetterMike. <coughs> Excuse me, I've been running out of air here. At NetterMike, because every day I try to put out what these issues are in perspective. Boil it down and simple. The government is trying to let things happen so you don't pay attention to what's really going on. Jason, it's been a pleasure. Go to rebuildcalifornia.com, follow me at Netter Mike, and I'll be waiting for your check. Beautiful, there it is. That's Mike Netter, everyone. News next and a brand new guest, Dr. Dennis White. After the break, you're watching TNT.